Before we get started, I introduce Mark. Uh, I want to bring up one family uh, real quick, just to give a share a little testimony of what's happened in their life. Last week, as we were talking and continuing our, our D90X with discipleship, uh, we talked about Matthew, the tax collector, and how he became a bridge for Jesus to those who didn't know him. And uh, there's a family that got the experience and the opportunity that very day then to be a bridge. So, Vasquez, would you please come up here? If you would, just sort of share with us real quickly what happened. So, um, Sunday morning after church, um, Riley, well, we, Rex talked about God uses ordinary people to build bridges. Um, <clears throat> we went home. Riley had a birthday party, a pool party. I got home at like 8 o'clock. Just like, hey, let's go on a bike ride. I'm like, no. Like, I can't go on a bike ride. I'm too tired. And um, all the kids are like, yeah, we want to go. We want to go. So we went on a family bike ride. And while we were on that bike ride, um, <clears throat> we ran into this guy who um, was obviously traveling far. He had all this luggage on his bicycle. Um, and so Jeff's like, I need to stop and talk to him. Like, he was just really interested in this guy. Like, where's he going and stuff. And um, <clears throat> so Jeff stopped and talked to him and introduced himself. And he's like, you know, my name's Roman. I'm from France. And um, he's basically riding his bicycle around the world. And we were just like, wow, like, that's so amazing. And, um, <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of luggage. His bicycle was heavy. But um, <clears throat> anyway, so they were talking, and, and Roman was asking Jeff, like, you know, I'm just going to pitch a tent tonight and sleep in a tent. Like, that's, like, what he does. He just rides his bicycle all day and then pitches a tent and sleeps in it. And um, he's like, you know, he was on the bike trail, and he's like, what happens, you know, is it, like, a nice ride, and is there going to be somewhere where I can pitch my tent soon? Because this was, like, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and it was getting late, and he was ready to go to sleep. Um, Jeff's like, no, actually, you know, it gets really bumpy, and... He's like, I don't really know that there's a place where you can pitch your tent, you know. He's like, but if you want, you can come back to our house and pitch your tent in our yard. And um, <clears throat> a lot of people are like, like, what did you think about that? And I'm like, I wasn't scared because Jeff's a good judge of character. And, like, I knew he wouldn't invite anybody that was going to be dangerous to the family over. So um, he rode home with us and um, was going to pitch his tent. But then Jeff's like, you know, we have our camper sitting in our driveway. Like, we can plug it in. You know, you can have electricity, you can have water, you can just have your own little hotel room kind of like in our camper. Um, so he's like, okay, that sounds good. Well, we invited him in, <coughs> fed him some leftover pizza and leftover um, ice cream cake. And he was, like, so thankful for it. And um, this whole time we're thinking, like, oh, this is, like, our opportunity to be God's bridge. And, like, this is really exciting. Um, but so then we kind of started freaking out, like, what are we going to do? Like, so just, like, you know, do you, yeah, we asked him, like, do you believe in God? And he's like, He's like, no, but my mother does, you know, and so we're like, okay, like, what are we going to do? Like, we need to, like, like, this is all about God, and he's so great, and you need to, like, love him, and um, so we're like, okay, well, maybe we can just give him a Bible. Like, he can set a Bible on his bicycle, right? So we're, like, searching for an extra Bible, and we found one, and then we're like, he doesn't speak English. Like, he can't read our Bible. <laughs> so we're like, what are, this is, like, I don't know, 1030, so I text Rex, I'm like, Rex. Like, we have this opportunity to build a bridge for God, and we don't have a French Bible. Do you have one? And he's like, no. No, I don't. <laughs> so we're like, oh, great. Like, what are we going to do? And then we realized, you know what? We need to just pray about it and just do what God is, like, leading us to do. Like, don't freak out about it and don't, you know, try to do the right things. Just, like, 
do what we feel is right. So anyways, the next morning, we're like, we'll feed you breakfast before you go. And it was going to be really hot that day. And he came in and ate breakfast Monday morning. And, um... <coughs> Yeah, we talked to him to see him because he was, he was talking about how, how he needed a haircut because it was going to be really hot and his hair was growing and he needed a haircut. So Jeff's like, you know, I'm taking Riley to um, basketball camp in the morning and then I could run you to get your haircut, you know. And he's like, okay. So they ended up doing that and they came home after basketball and he's like, you know, it's kind of late in the day for him to start his journey. So he ended up staying with us that whole day. And um, he swam with the kids and, like, we just all, like, fell in love with him. We just thought he was so cool and... We just wanted to really show him God's love, so we just were like, I don't know, talking to him and asking tons of questions, and um, then later on that night, <coughs> we went out for Riley's um, birthday, uh, for her birthday dinner or whatever, went to Red Lobster, which I'm sure you guys have seen some of the pictures. He introduced mussels to my kids, and they loved them, so now we're like, every time we eat mussels, we're going to think of him, but um, anyways, he had asked us to put some music on um, a little memory stick, because... <clears throat> he was he was collecting music from like all around the world, like asking people to like download music for him. So I'm like, ooh, Christian music, you know, like I've got tons of it. I'm putting it all on your memory stick. And like I asked him, and he's like, yeah, that's okay. Like you can put that music on. I'm like, okay, good. And um, so we were thankful for that. And then um, he ended up staying that night again. And then I was cleaning up in the kitchen or whatever. And I was, I don't know if you all remember, but we got um, little wooden crosses um, here at church during one communion, I don't know when it was, but we had some extra ones laying like by the kitchen sink, so I'm cleaning and I saw that and I'm like, that's what we can give him, like we can just give him that cross just as a reminder, you know, <clears throat> to him or whatever. So the next morning, we got up, he came in and ate breakfast with us again, and um, we had to tell him goodbye, we were like, you can stay longer, like you can stay and go to church with us Sunday, but... He's like, no, like, I need to leave because he had to be in certain places at certain times so he can get back home. Um, but he had a flight that he had to make or whatever, so, like, he had to leave. So, like, okay, well, we're going to give you this cross. In August, yeah. He's, he's rode, like, 30,000 miles, like, crazy. But anyways, um, <clears throat> we gave him the cross, and we're like, we just want, you know, you to know that Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. And every time you see this cross, we want you to know that we're praying for you. And so... He's like, okay. He's like, I'll take it. And he says, when I get to Niagara Falls, I'll send you guys a picture with me holding the cross in front of Niagara Falls. And we haven't heard from him or anything, but we're just really praying for him that God will, you know, work in his heart and um, lead him to him. So we were so thankful for that opportunity. That's a huge yay, God. Thank you for being the bridge for Christ and reaching out and, and just loving on him. Uh, the cross, the music, all that you did, your love, your compassion to him was incredible. And uh, we, we, we all can do this. We all can do this. We all can do this. And this morning, I'm excited about introducing somebody that's going to get up here and encourage you with the same thing, with, with uh, God's word and his spirit just working through him. Um, you know, when I, I actually heard from one of my FCA buddies down in Atlanta saying, and, and I know this is going to sound, but he's like, you got to have Mark Cahill come up here. You know, you <laughs> Georgia accent going, I can't even do one. It's just bad. But, and it's like he kept saying, this is just going to be great. And then I've read his books, and I thought, yeah, why not? And uh, so since then, I picked up another book to read, and, and um, my sons read them, and Dan's got a bunch of high school guys reading them, and it's, it's been great. And uh, what's better than reading them now is having you here to challenge us today, 
this afternoon, and then you're going to be with us tomorrow at Defiance College with uh, FCA. We've got a, another training going on, so you know, take notes. If you can't be here this afternoon, which we want you to be here this afternoon, you can always come tomorrow. Just come talk to me. I'll give you all the details because I believe that we all need to be encouraged and inspired uh, to do what God's called us to do in, in sharing our faith with others. Would you please welcome Mark Cahill? Yeah. Thanks, man. Hey, y'all, good morning. Uh, the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 4, says to uh, make the most out of every opportunity. Okay, would you say that that family made the most out of every opportunity? Yeah, that's what I, I was, uh, it was a grand story. But see, that reminded me uh, kind of uh, old school America. You know, old school America, your door was open for anybody, wasn't it? Someone could walk in and take sugar and eggs out of your refrigerator, and when you came in and it was gone, you just knew that was one of your next-door neighbors that came and took it out. It didn't even bother us, did it? Now, in new America, uh, we got more locks on our doors. We got security systems. We got everything. We don't want to invite a stranger over, worried about what they're going to do to our kids or something like that. Instead of looking at an opportunity, what we can do for that person, right, and make an impact on that person's life. How many people do you think have opened... Did you ask him how many people have opened up their home for him on his travels? So you're number two? You were number three, okay? So it's just a rare occurrence. Did he, did he mention anything about the faith of those people that did it? Okay. I got a feeling, though, you're probably going to wind up at least, probably at least one of those being a Christian family that did that, right? Because we're different, correct? Correct? Yeah, we're different. But the problem is, when you really look at Christians and Christianity um, around America, is that we're actually not that much different. We actually look like the world does. And we're not called to look like the world. Okay? Is that correct? We're not. We're called to be so radically different that for the rest of that man's life, no matter what home he ever walks into, it was the Christian home that treated him like a king, and he's not a king. Okay? He's a sinner who needs a savior. But we set the standard, and we do it different. Is that right? Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, you, you look at... I was looking at your kids in the picture. Um, boy, did, did their parents just teach them a good lesson about life? When they had him, oh my goodness, look what they taught him. To be a servant, to bless on people, uh, even give up your, your leftover pizza. That's hard for me to do, so I was pretty impressed with that. And, uh, you know, so you, you taught them to be servants. Uh, you saw one of the pictures, what was his name, Roman? Uh, he had his arm around your son in that one picture and stuff. You've got to see the closeness that bonded in just a short time and do that. But see, that's where Christians, we're supposed to set the standard and do that. Um, and he says he doesn't believe in God. I had an atheist on a plane flight recently, and uh, he was, he was uh, pretty hard, had his guards up the whole time as a Delta pilot. And uh, so I witnessed to him, he just kept his guards up the whole time. And so, uh, do you like to read? He said, I love to read. So I gave him one of my books. So he starts doing his crossword puzzles. Then he picks up my book and starts reading it right next to me, okay? And so I'm praying that God's going to hit him with this. And all of a sudden he looks over, he's, he looks at me and says, you're not convincing me, you're not convincing me, okay? You know, I'm trying to get under my skin a little bit, but I don't let that happen. And so we're talking back and forth a little bit. And then it hit me, you know what? I don't have to convince him, okay? He's a Delta pilot, all right? He spends his whole day in a cockpit looking out the window, my Bible's clear as a bell in Romans chapter 1, okay, that, uh, that the, because of the creation, the moment they stand in front of God, they'll have no what? Excuse in front of God. Because the creation screams there has to be a 
creator, right? And every day that pilot's going to see that. And now as you pray for Roman, every day on his bicycle, what's he going to see as he goes across America? This unbelievable creation. Okay, Niagara Falls. Go see Niagara Falls and tell me there's not a God. Okay, you can't. You can, but you're just denying reality is what you're doing, okay? And see, and that's where it's going to come through and do that. Another thing is when you get into conversations like that, um, and I'll hit this more tonight, uh, be careful of talking about God all the time. Because God in 2013 is a very generic word. Very generic. Okay? means a million different things to a million different people. All right, I had a guy tell me one day, he said, you're God, he said, I'm God, he said, the earth is God, he said, the sun is God. Okay? And it was just, and it's, it's kind of a new agey concept to do that. We can talk some more about that tonight. We'll do a question and answer time tonight, help you with that. But there's one word that's very, very specific. If you want to spice up a conversation, what's that word to use? Say it. It's Jesus. Okay? Um, you just sang four songs this morning, and there was one word that never popped up in any of the four songs, and what was that word? That was Jesus. Okay? Uh, a friend of mine uh, did a youth event out in Iowa, and he pulled the worship guy aside, and he said, um, he said, can you do me a favor? He's an older friend of mine, 70, 75, and he said, can you go back and look at your songs and tell me how many times you've Jesus in your songs? He said, sure. So these high school kids went back, came to him the next day. He said, sir, we've, we've sung 56 songs so far. We've said the name Jesus seven times. I said, okay. So said, do you see a problem with that? He said, sir, I see a huge problem with that. And the teenager didn't realize it, okay, until someone just made, observed something. He said, just take a look at this. What do you think, okay? Because the word Jesus spices things up, correct? Oh, yeah, because he's from France? Yeah. Um, and, and in France, there's probably two main religions in France. What are those two going to be? Roman Catholic. Uh, Muslims getting much bigger in the big cities, especially around Paris, are having huge problems there. I was going to say probably secular humanism. Some people look at that as a religion, and it's just uh, uh, out of France, and knowledge, and me, I'm God, man, can, man, can, man is good, man can conquer and do that stuff. But evangelicals growing a bit over there. But see, when you throw the word Jesus in a conversation, that, well, who's Jesus? What is, what was, uh, one of the little booklets we have back there is who's the real Jesus? Uh, but it, I call it the, the most important question of all time. And the most important question of all time is when Jesus looked at Peter and said, who do you what? Say that I am. And I tell people all the time, if you can answer that one simple question, you have figured life out. You have figured out planet Earth. If you can't answer that one question, you're still in search mode to do that. Okay? So that was a really good job uh, there and do that. And, um, uh, and then you pray that he'll see the creation. God will lift the veil from it. Then another Christian will come along and do that. Um, <clears throat> I was speaking in uh, Lake Arrowhead, California, and so it was about nine youth groups from Phoenix, Arizona, came up to uh, do a retreat up there. So we trained the kids how to witness. It'll be a lot of what we'll teach you this afternoon. So we loaded up some buses and took 300 middle schoolers and teenagers down to Huntington Beach, California to go witnessing on the beach one day. Can you picture that? 300 middle schoolers and high schoolers just taking off on a mission trip, okay? We didn't have to go to Zimbabwe. We could just go to the beach, okay? And we, they, we walked the beach for three hours, and we came back that night, and we started telling stories. But one of the stories was uh, these, uh, these senior girls and guys got up here. They said, yeah, we were walking the beach, and we ran into uh, this couple that was sitting there, and they were from Paris, France, okay? They didn't speak any English, Okay, so do you have a cultural barrier there? Got a culture barrier. Who's ever done overseas mission work? Who's done overseas mission? 
Only a couple of us? Wow. Uh, the group in Dominican right now, what's their biggest obstacle over there right now? What is it? It's language. Unless you know Spanish or have Spanish literature to give them, that's your biggest obstacle is language. So that would then mean that your biggest advantage sharing your faith here in America is what? Your biggest advantage is what? Language, because most people can understand us here, okay? Except for certain people that move here and things like that. <coughs> they moved over from France. They spoke 100% French, zero English, okay? So they were caught in the same boat that you were just in. Uh, one of the senior girls is up on stage speaking in front of all, and she said, oh, she said, uh, I've taken uh, four years of French in high school. She said, I got to share the gospel in French to these people on a beach in Huntington Beach, California this afternoon. Okay? And she's saying this, and my eyes are just getting huge as he tells this story. Because think of what happened. God had to pick up this group from Phoenix, nine different youth groups, bring us to Lake Arrowhead, California, bring this couple all the way from Paris, France. Hey, let's just go witnessing to the beach today. Take all of us down the exact same day. Do you see how great our God is? And look at that. And so they came to America thinking they're just going to enjoy Huntington Beach. And little did they know God was going to bring a teenage, sweet teenage girl right across your path and bring you the truth of Jesus Christ today. You see? And that's how great our God works. And, and that's what's exciting about it is these stories. And so, see, you, you're going to see part of the seed plant but you don't know what God's got coming up now behind that, the next Christian. And the other thing to think about, and this is what I really liked about this, <clears throat> is a lot of times I walk out of a conversation with somebody and say, oh, why didn't I say that? Do you, ever, do you ever do that one? Okay, I have done that so many times. Like, oh, what? like my little perfect statement was going to change the free world or something like that. Okay, I get frustrated sometimes. But wait a minute, what I want to do is make sure I set it up for the next person that their minds, well, wait a minute, that family, that Christian family is so nice to me. Let me listen to this Christian guy here who's speaking to me now. You see, we're actually setting it up for the next person to do that. Does that make sense? Okay, and that's what you did really so, so well and did that. Um, and in the youth sermon, uh, is that good advice to the young ones to get in the Word, to get into the Bible? Goodness gracious, uh, when I was checking out a rental car yesterday at the Detroit airport, I started witnessing the lady behind the counter, and she... Uh, um, Give me all the right answers about Christianity and stuff. So I said, when's the last time you read, you read your Bible? She said, oh, a couple weeks ago. Right answer? Oh, wrong answer. Wrong answer. Okay, you didn't see any fire, any zeal with inside her, okay? That's the Bible. We read that thing every day. That's, that's our direction finder in this world, okay? Satan's trick is real simple, to get your nose out of the Bible. The best compliment I get on any of my books is thanks for using so much Scripture. Okay, it's the best compliment I get on those. Because it's a scripture that changes people's lives. Is that right? Yeah, okay, so that's why we want to know it and use it. And once it gets into you, it's easy to get out of you and do that. And uh, <clears throat> so your two things that you're working on are uh, discipleship and what? Evangelism, okay. Uh, discipleship. I was just witnessing at a mall in Atlanta on Wednesday, and I ran into some uh, Chick-fil-A people. You heard, you heard of Chick-fil-A? Okay, have they made a pretty bold stand, yes or no? Yeah, is God going to honor that? Yeah, he already has honored it, okay? And even if something would happen where Chick-fil-A would be shut down because of whatever happens in our world, our government, whatever, you still have to make the right stand in our culture, okay? I always tell people, you stand for what's right, put your feet down strong on the scriptures, let the chips fall where they may. We were about the chips all the time. Oh, I might lose some sales. Oh, I might have the government come after me. Oh, 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 stand for what's right. Okay? Let the chips fall where they may. God owns all the chips anyways, right? They're his chips. Quit worrying about them. Okay? Let him stack them how he wants them to stack. Okay? But what that caused many people to do is also to stand strong for biblical marriage. 
okay? That they weren't going to budge and do that. Hobby Lobby is the exact same way. <clears throat> and they won't budge, but that encourages other Christian business people, right, who see the exact same thing. Wait a minute. If that big old company can take that big hit from the enemy, I need to stand too here. As, as now it's getting down to people who do uh, baking cakes and pastry shops and they won't do it for homosexual weddings and stuff like that, okay? And they say, well, wait a minute, Chick-fil-A stood? I think I can stand for that as well, okay? So I met some of the higher-ups there, so I went over and started chatting with them in this mall. And um, Truett Cathy, it's a privately owned company, and Truett Cathy uh, is, is the guy who started it years ago, and uh, he's 92 years old now, okay? Um, Truett Cathy, for all that he's done at Chick-fil-A, the, I think, and I even told these guys this in the mall, I think, I think the biggest thing he'll be rewarded for when he dies is that he taught seventh grade boys Sunday school every single year at his church. Okay? He recently just stopped, if I've heard correctly, because he's just gotten older to do that. But he, when he was in his 80s, he taught the seventh grade boys Sunday school every single year at his church. Okay? Because he wanted to invest in those young men okay? and, and convince them the truth of God words. You stand up for Jesus Christ. You don't budge. Because he knows if I can get you as a good young man solid for God, then we get more solid, bigger men for God. Is that right? Yeah. And think about what he's done. He knew how important that was. As big time as he got, as big time as his business got, uh, he knew that. And, and the legacy of those boys all through the world to this, he did it 40-some years. He taught middle, you know, seventh grade boys high school. Think about that for a second. That's discipling people, okay? But we only disciple the people that get born again and saved, right? And that's our job is to make sure people commit their lives to Jesus Christ. And that's what our job is, is to go out and tell this world whether it's a biker that comes by our house we see out there and stuff, whether it's um, someone on an airplane flight, we tell them once they get saved, we plug them in and grow them up. Okay? Um, anyone here grown a lot since you became saved back in the day? Anyone grown a bunch and do that? Yeah, that's the fun of the journey, man. Then when you grow, then you can go give that to someone else and get into that, you know? And I, I love the conversations that uh, I started sharing my faith about 19 years ago. Uh, I was horrible. I was absolutely horrible when I shared my faith. I look back at some of these conversations. I was horrible. But it was just getting going and practicing. And now, God, you allow me to speak at places on witnessing when I was so horrible back in there? You're kidding me. But you know what I was? I was faithful, though. Oh, ye of little faith. Well done, my good Anne. Faithful, sir. We walk by sight, not by. We walk by. What did I, do I have that backwards? Yeah, I'm a little tired today. We walk by faith, not by. Sorry about that. And uh, <laughs> we walk by faith, not by. Thanks for knowing the scriptures. And, uh, and do that. Uh, was that family faithful? They were faithful, and that's the one thing I really grabbed out of that. I want to be a faithful man of God, okay? So I'm going to give you some things to think about uh, this morning. And the first thing I want you to think about is time. I want to think about time, okay? Every second, two people die, okay? By the time you put your head on the pillow tonight, another 150,000 people have taken their last breath, walked off into eternity, heaven or hell as we speak, okay? So simple question for you, okay? Do you care about those two people that just died? Okay, but a much tougher question. Do you care enough to do something about where those two people are going to spend eternity that just die? So we sit here, two more people just die. Two more people just die. Okay? And as Christians, many times we are completely out of focus. Okay? We're worried about our vacation coming. We're going to do these last couple of weeks before school starts. We have all of our school supplies for our kids. What are the Buckeyes going to do on a football field this year? How does my bank account look when the economy is going funky? And, the, and to all those people that just died today and yesterday, none of that mattered. None of that mattered. Either they knew Jesus Christ or they didn't know Jesus Christ. 
Life is so simple. The whole Trayvon Martin thing, okay? All that matters is, is where is Trayvon Martin right now? That's all that matters. And if he didn't get born again and saved, he has wasted his life here on planet Earth. If George Zimmerman doesn't get saved, he has wasted his life on planet Earth. True? Yeah, you may not like that, but that's just the truth of the matter. Okay? That's the reality of the matter. Okay? Um, but once we know that, and we know time is a precious commodity, what are we doing with that time? Okay, to make sure we're using it wisely for the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Um, I was on a plane flight yesterday and got into a talk with a pilot. And so we talked about the Asiana flight, the San Francisco flight. So was that pilot air or was that mechanical air? Just do you think pilots have an opinion on that? Oh, pilots have an opinion on that one. Okay, uh, for sure. But I think we're at three people now that have walked off into eternity. Okay, and if those three young people, I think they're all teenagers too, uh, if they have not, did not get right with God and Jesus Christ, they're from China, all were Chinese, uh, God's making a move in China, if you don't know anything about China right now, making a real move in China. One of my books is in Chinese, and uh, a guy just went over there on a mission trip, he took my book in Chinese, downloaded it on flash drives, snuck all these flash drives into China. Okay, he'd witness to somebody, talk to him. Uh, do you like to read? Yes. Do you have a computer? Yes. Okay, here's this uh, flash. I read this book and then pass it on to someone else. And this man got all these flash drives of this book I wrote for lost people in Chinese, and it's going all across China. Don't we serve a great God? What a great idea. This guy emailed me. I'm like, what are you talking about? I, was like, I wouldn't have even thought about it, okay? But that was his mindset. He wanted to see how he could make an impact and do that because uh, Chinese girls are dying. They just happened to die in San Francisco this time. But they're all going to die one day. The question is, where are they going to spend eternity and do that? Okay. Um, I'm back in the school again. I used to be a school teacher. And one day I walked into the bathroom at 8.15 in the morning after a 15-year-old student put a gun in his mouth and shot himself. And I walked in the bathroom one morning. There's a boy laying on the floor over here. Uh, hole in the top of his head. Bullet hole in the ceiling. And uh, Michael was laying there, and all the blood came out the, the hole in his head. And um, it formed into this absolute perfect halo. It was a perfect halo around his head. Blood's, blood's not red, it's more brownish. And I'm looking there, and I was like, all right, there's nothing you could do for me. I said, I see the body. So where's that soul at? Where's that soul at? Because Michael's still alive. He's just alive on the other side, correct? Correct? Yeah, that's one of the tricks of the world. Okay, don't buy this lie. To the world, death means over with. Michael Jackson's dead, Elizabeth Taylor's dead, over with. That's not what the Bible, death just means opening up the door to the other side. Uh, down south, a lot of black folk will use the term past, so-and-so passed. It's a really neat term, I actually like it as I begin to learn the term, but it just means they passed to where? The other side. They just passed over to the other side. But depending on what you do with Jesus Christ, depends on uh, where you're gonna pass to on the other side is the big question, okay? Derek, is that you? Can I use you in my sermon? Yes or no? You tell me. Okay, stand up. He's a pastor's son. Uh, I've been at his church uh, what, three times, I think, over in uh, Maumee or something like that. What's that? Monclova. Okay, it was close. And uh, <coughs> I'm in Ohio. I was, that was pretty good, I thought. Um, <coughs> you willing to talk about your fiancé? Okay, give us a, tell us about your fiancé. Yeah, Derek was engaged to be married, and uh, his uh, fiancé passed away. And... Uh, uh, but his fiancée um, wasn't just a girl walking through planet Earth. She, she worked at a, ho what's the hospital she worked at? 
Yeah, and uh, but she boldly shared her faith, didn't she? Oh, yeah, she was bold. She shared her faith, gave books away, reached out to people, did that. And uh, I've seen Derek. I was up there a few months ago, I think, up in Monclovin. Uh, so Derek and I had some time to chat. And uh, So it was New Year's, what? So it's been seven months, almost eight months now. And tough, yes or no? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's something I, Derek, were talking about. And Derek knows where she at, don't you? Oh, he knows. We have this discussion. He knows where she's at, okay? But we can still physically miss people, correct? Yeah, and, and, and that can still hurt when we had, don't we make plans in our lives? Yeah, we make plans for the wedding, we make plans for this, we, what we're going to do, 2.5 kids, you know, we know what we're going to do, we got it all figured out. And sometimes it doesn't work that way, okay? But the question is, can you still keep your faith when things don't go smooth for you? Okay, that's the question, because we all hit some pretty big bumps in the road, right? How's your faith, Derek? How's your faith in God? Yeah, it's, it's, and then he said his dad's got some physical issues and stuff. So he's had a pretty, pretty interesting seven or eight months. But sometimes it's events like that that kind of kick us to wake us up and like, Derek, be bold. Mark, be bold. Stand up. People can walk out of here in an instant of time. Is that correct? I can be gone in an instant of time. And at her funeral, how many books did you give away at her funeral? Yeah, they gave, I think it was almost 300 of those One Heartbeat Away books they gave away at her funeral to all the people that came because at her funeral they preached the gospel at her funeral. Uh, Amy, correct? Yeah, Amy did not waste her life, okay? Uh, God did not waste Amy's death, okay? Amy's the happiest girl in the universe right now, okay? And I've told this to Derek as much as she'd like to be with Derek. She's the happiest girl in the universe because she finally got to meet him face to face, the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And dreams come true on that day, is that right? Yeah, dreams come true on that day, okay? But... Uh, Derek and his dad uh, used that funeral for the glory of God. Okay, and made sure everybody at that funeral heard the Lord Jesus Christ. So, was Amy able to reach all of her co-workers? Yeah, just did it at the funeral. Sometimes do it a different way than we had planned and stuff like that. But see, God uses faithful people. But time is a precious commodity. It's scooting by very quickly. You know, using that time wisely for the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, question for you. Um, give me a verbal response. Do you believe hell is a real place? Okay, so you believe hell is an actual real place that people can really go to for all of eternity, yes or no? Okay, if you believe that and you have to hold that position with the biblical worldview, <clears throat> that means you can never ask the question, how can I share my faith with this person? Well, the question is, how can I not share my faith with this person? Okay, you asked completely the wrong question. And it wasn't how I could witness to Chris yesterday on a plane flight coming out of Atlanta who worked for Microsoft, who grew up UU. Anyone know what UU is? Anyone know? Unitarian Universalist, okay, which pretty much believes every religion is A-OK. -okay. They read from the Bible, they read from the Quran, they read from the Bhagavad Gita, they read anything on their church services. Is that correct, yes or no? Uh, yeah, that's not a correct belief system, yeah. And uh, there's only one way to get there, okay? We had the most fascinating talk coming up uh, on a plane flight yesterday, okay? See, it wasn't how I could talk to Chris yesterday. It's how could I not talk to Chris yesterday. Ran into the second-round pick for the Atlanta Hawks. I found one person in the Atlanta airport taller than I was. Had to find out who it was. And uh, so he was, a, he was from Bucknell, really good basketball player, too. He was a real stud. And he just got done with the Las Vegas summer camps out in, uh, the pro camps out in Las Vegas and stuff. So we had this really neat talk just in the Atlanta airport yesterday. So it's not how I can share, it's how can I not take the time to share my faith with people, okay? Um, you've heard about near-death experiences where people flatline and see white lights and tunnels, yes or no? 
Okay, during my times of witnessing and meeting people, I have now met, met 30 or 31 people now I've met who flatlined, uh, who saw the hell experience and not the heaven experience. Okay. You hear all these white lights and tunnels things. I've heard five or six of those. I'm up to 30 or 31 now I've, I've met who got just the opposite. Okay, we had two EMTs pull a guy out of a car, pumping on his chest, screaming, fire, fire, flames, flames, flames. Uh, there was no fire. Car wasn't on fire. He wasn't on fire. They kept pumping, fire, fire, flames, 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 flat lines and dies. Ready for this? Both EMTs, both atheists, both said they could smell a burning sulfur smell as the man flatlined and died. Both said it was supernatural. Both said it was hell, and they never believed it existed until that day. They believe it exists now. Met a young man from uh, Liberty University in the Atlanta airport yesterday. Um, he's studying to be a nurse. I said, are you ready to see death? Because when you're a nurse and doctor, you have to see death. Is that correct? Some people aren't ready for that. Okay? A lot of soldiers aren't ready when they finally have to see someone dead next to them. Okay? You can't prepare for it, but you have to know if you're strong enough inside of you to be able to deal with it. Okay? And uh, he said, yeah. I said, you know what, though? I had a nurse tell me one time, I told this young man. She said, you know, us nurses and doctors, we're the last line of defense before someone dies and goes to hell. What an interesting statement. I had never heard that before in my life. But she knew that it was her responsibility to make sure she's sharing Jesus with people as they're taking the last breath, right? So they know the Lord. See, has that woman got the right focus? See, she has the right focus. You know, she knew what she's here for. Okay, not just, even if I keep you alive past today's injury, still down the road, you're going to what? You're going to die anyways down the road. I've got to make sure you have Jesus Christ. We're the last line of defense before someone takes a last breath and dies and goes off into eternity. Fascinating way to look at life, okay? Um, craziest story of all, I met a woman one day. Uh, her husband died. They paddled. Nothing worked. He died. Pulled the wires out, wheeled them off in a gurney, left him in a hallway. He's dead, okay? Ready for this? Fifteen minutes later, whoop, he sits up on the gurney fifteen minutes later, okay? Four and a half minutes, your brain's what? It's toast. It's history. Uh, completely fine. Lived years later. Told his wife he went down a dark tunnel. I've heard this from more than one person. Not this white light, dark tunnel. Kept going. Uh, there was a vapor fog. He could see and hear people screaming in this fog. People always tell me they remember the screams more than anything. Uh, some people describe it as weeping and wailing and what? Gnashing of teeth. They actually use those exact same words as they describe uh, the screams they're hearing from people that sometimes they can't even see the person. It's just coming through this fog. Down, down. All of a sudden, shoop, two hands of light grabbed him. Told his wife later that he knew it was Jesus, the light of the world had shown up. I've heard this from more than one person. They didn't think it was Jesus, hope it was Jesus, might have, should have, could have been Jesus. They knew it was Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, folks up here in, how do you say it? Wasian? Is that how you say it? Wasian? Uh, Wasian. Uh, do you realize the only hope for us is Jesus Christ? Do you understand that? Okay? The only hope for Ohio is Jesus Christ. The only hope for America is Jesus Christ. The hope for America is not a black president, not a white president, not a new president, not the economy going on. The only hope for America is Jesus Christ. That's it. The only hope for Roman is Jesus Christ. Okay? But see, once we have Jesus Christ, we want to share that with you. We're compelled to get in these conversations because that's what we're here for, to do that. Grabbed him, pulled him up, 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 hit the top of the tunnel, and that's when he sat up on the gurney 15 minutes later. Okay? She told me, she asked her husband the question, Honey, what was the worst part of that experience? You think it's anything I just mentioned, not what the man said. He said the worst part of the experience was, ready for this? He couldn't bring anybody out of there with him. 
Oh, my, my. Remember the account of rich man and Lazarus, Luke 16? Once judgment's set, heaven or hell, there's no crossing over from one side to the other. See, you can't cross destinations on the other side. But that's what we do here as we evangelize and share our faith. We're stopping people from going to hell here. Does that make sense? That's what we're here for. I was the first one saved in my family. My sister was second. My mama was third. And I had a conversation with my older brother Mike on the phone one day. And I told my brother, older brother Mike, I said, Mike, you can die and go to hell over my dead body. Okay, I told him this. I said, Mike, I said, you can choose to go there. I'm going to choose everything in my power to make sure you don't go there. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray. Mike, if it takes something to happen to your daughter Morgan, my niece, to get your attention for the Most High God, Mike, it is worth it because your soul is worth that to God. The cross is proof my brother's soul matters to God, right? The cross is proof of that, okay? But my brother needs to know that his middle brother is that serious about him to do that, okay? And I'm serious about this. I know how quickly we're here, and we can be gone so quick just like that, okay? But that's what we're going to talk about as we open up the scriptures and go through some training this afternoon. But when it comes to evangelism, we've got to do much more than talk about it. We just need to what? just need to do it. That's what you're doing. You're just doing it. Sometimes there's a, a language uh, barrier, but that doesn't mean God's not going to bring them a bilingual person coming up pretty quick, okay, as they've already heard truth there and do that, okay? We just need to go out and do that, okay? And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today as we do these conferences. So let's uh, pray as we open up our Bibles. Father, thank you so much for just a great chance to be here. Father, I thank you for... Uh, uh, just your word of God, and thank you. And I hope those young ones here just get a real hunger for your, your Bible, Father God, and just love to open up that book uh, and just study that book and know that book. And uh, please be with Michael, the young man I witnessed to at the hotel last night. Uh, grew up Lutheran church, four-year degree from Notre Dame, and has no clue where or what he believes at this point. And that's okay, but that's why we crossed paths last night, to plant a seed, to get him heading towards that cross and do that. Uh, Father, thanks for Derek, Father God, him hanging on to you, during uh, this is a very, very interesting seven, eight months here. And uh, we thank you for the faithfulness of Monclova Baptist Church as they're still soul winning over there, still making a difference, even though there's been some bumps in the road over there. But they know they can trust you because, Father, one thing the cross proves to us is your faithfulness. Such a faithful God that, uh, you know, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, but you're a faithful God, and we need to return that faithfulness to you. So we're going to thank you for that, and we do. We ask it in the great name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, grab your Bibles. I'm uh, going to go Old Testament, okay? going to go to Ezekiel, Old Testament. So uh, if you open up your Bible in the middle, you'll hit Psalms. Head towards the New Testament. A bunch of big books there. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Let's go Ezekiel 33. So let's go Ezekiel 33. And... Start in verse 1. Okay, Ezekiel 33, verse 1. Again, 33, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, okay, in 2013, what's the number one way we get the word of the Lord is what? In 2013, what's the number one way we get the word of the Lord is what? The Bible. Everything is tested by this Bible. Does that make sense? Everything comes through this book. Okay, uh, I have a motto I go by, T-E-T-E, -E, test everything and test everybody. Okay, T-E-T, -E -T, test everything and test everybody. Is there false teaching in 2013? It's everywhere. It's almost hard to find the true teaching anymore. It's getting crazy out there, okay? But the Bible promised in the end of days there will be false Christs and false prophets and false teachers in the end of days. So there's a false religious people, okay? In the coming days, be much more concerned about religious folk than non-religious folk. 
Because with religious folk, you usually take your guard and you drop your guard, and that's when the false teaching comes in. Okay, so I always teach people guards up. Guards up, test everything against the Word of God. Okay, uh, one of the talks I give uh, sometimes when I'm many days somewhere, uh, next week in Flint, Michigan, I'll give it, and I actually, it's called Five Unbiblical Things, and I tell the audience, I'm going to say five unbiblical things in the first ten minutes. Okay, and it's your job to pick out what was unbiblical, okay, tell me where I was off base at, but have a scripture verse to back up your position. All right? So they number the paper one through five and start writing things down. Well, what they don't know is actually say six unbiblical things in the first ten minutes. It's good preaching, right? Just six bad things in ten minutes. I actually lied to them, too. And, uh, I, and I tell them one true thing. So I go through seven different things. Oh, it's so much fun. Uh, we get Bibles out. We're going back. We're trying to see if we can figure all these out. But see, that's the problem today. Sometimes we just trust speakers who stand up here, and we're not testing everything against the Word of God. Okay? So test, test me this morning. Guards up. Make sure everything I see say, the books I write, they, they line up with the Word of God, okay? Because can, can we get off base? Can I get off base? Yes or no? Can Pastor Rex get off base? Biblically, yes or no? Yes, we're just human. It can happen, okay? We, we try not to, uh, but if we do, that you keep testing this thing here. But if someone consistently gets off base, get as far away from that teacher as you possibly can, because it can affect your life, then affect your kids' lives as well, all right? Verse 2, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people. Say unto them, when I, when I bring a sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man off their coast and set them for their watchmen. Keywords watchmen this morning, okay? When he sees the, word, sees the sword come and blow upon the land, he blows the trumpet and warns the people. That whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Now watch verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword come and blows not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. All right, here's the picture. Back in the day, um, you didn't have CNN and Fox News and satellites and drones and stuff, so you built a wall around your city is what you did, all right? And you chose people to stand up on the wall, and they had a very simple job, look in the distance. That's all their job was. When they saw an army come to the rise, they'd pull the trumpet out and blow the trumpet and warn the people in the city trouble was coming, all right? They'd see a big dust cloud, so they knew it'd be horses or chariots, so they'd pull the trumpet out and blow the trumpet and warn the people in the city trouble was coming. Now, was it the watchman's job to go down the ladder, go in the city, put everyone's armor, Uzis, and knives, and staves on? Was that their job? Nope. See trouble coming, pull the trumpet out, blow the trumpet, warn the people trouble's coming. Okay? Let's say we did the same thing. Uh, let's say we built a wall around Wasion. Am I right? I'm trying to get this. Wasion. Okay, we built a wall around Wasion. Because you and I both know we can't trust those people from Toledo, correct? Correct. I've, I've, been, I've been there too, so I totally understand. Okay? So you built a wall around Wasiad, and you chose uh, people to be your watchmen on the wall. Now, is this an important job, yes or no? Very important job. Done incorrectly can cost the entire city its life. Very serious job. Okay, so raise them head. The pretend it's a classroom. It used to be a school teacher. Okay, raise them head. What are certain qualities you would want in any watchman you would ever choose to stand up on that wall to protect your city? Okay, pop some head. What are certain qualities you want? Good eyesight, because what you understand in, in war, cause, because uh, there's friendly flag and enemy flag. If, you, if it's friendly and you blow the trumpet three or four times and it's friendly people, then when you finally blow it when it's the wrong, the bad people, the people in the city won't what? Won't get ready because they think it's another false alarm, you see. So you have to have good eyesight and good discernment, okay, as you do that. Very good point. What's another quality you want in any watchman you put up there and do that? 
What's that? Okay, dependable, trustworthy. Uh, let your yes be yes and your no be no, okay? Um, uh, when I was a school teacher and a basketball coach, uh, I'd always give my students little things to test them. Because if I can't trust you with the little things, I can't trust you what? With the big things, okay? In China, actually in the house churches in China, um, they're actually taking the police. Uh, they're called the PSB over there. We always call them greenies because they always wear long green coats in the winter. We call them greenies. And, uh, but they'll infiltrate the house church. They'll come into your church. They'll raise their hands. They'll sing their songs. They'll give Pastor Rex their number so you can text them. Oh, I got a disciple partner. No problem. And boom, boom, boom. And boom. And they'll spend eight or nine months there. Get everybody's name and address. Disappear. And then later that week, uh, the police come in and arrest the entire house church. Put them in jail. Okay? See, they weren't trustworthy. It was a Trojan horse type event there, okay? So that's why you test. You have to keep testing. We can all get deceived, but I don't want to be deceived because my Bible calls somebody the great deceiver. And who is that? That's Satan himself and do that, okay? So dependable, trustworthy, great things, the great things to instill in your son and the other young people is those qualities just like that. Okay, hands up. What's another quality you want? Okay, okay alert, paying attention. This is a lazy folk job, right? Yeah, because if it's at 3 a.m. and you're sleeping and here comes the enemy, the whole, the whole city's in trouble because of that, okay? And think about that as, as, I, as I work with high school kids. The only thing I teach them is, we're, as, as Christians, we're not lazy folk. We're on time for class or, or we, we turn in our projects on time. We're not last person with our pads on for football practice. We're first ones out there with football practice and do that stuff. We set the standard as believers in Jesus Christ, okay? What's another quality you'd want in any watchman you would choose to be on the wall? What's another quality? Uh, that their job is important. Uh, think about this, because if they don't think it's important, okay, if you haven't instilled that in them, they not, might take the seriousness of what they're doing up there. We're talking everybody's life here, okay? And don't we need to sort the, the importance of discipleship, the importance of evangelism? This isn't joke stuff. Ask that to the people who just went to hell today. This isn't joke. This is serious business. I'm in a maximum security prison in um, Rhode Island speaking last year. And you've seen, uh, you've seen Alcatraz, Alcatraz. I went up to this prison. I was going to go there to speak. It looked just like Alcatraz. Okay, the big old rocks and stones. Come to find out, they took all the rocks from Alcatraz and built this prison over in Rhode Island. Okay, that's where all the rocks came from. So it has this very similar look and feel as you walked up to it. I'm like, this is fascinating. So I walk up. I go in to speak. I'm giving this talk to the inmates. What are certain qualities you want any watchman? Pointing around. So maximum security prison, you're dealing with some tough, tough guys here, okay? Guy said, oh, I said, sir, he said, love. I said, love? What do you mean love? He said, sir, I hope that the watchman has enough love for everybody in the city, that he loves them so much that he's not worried what they think about him, that when the enemy comes, he'll just pull the trumpet out and blow the trumpet because he loves those people so much. He wants them to live and not die. Oh, let me tell you something. Uh, my jaw about hit the floor. I could not, I have never once had that answer in a church setting. I had it in a maximum security prison. Okay, love. God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave. Isn't, didn't their love shine out of them? Uh, to, the, to Roman and stuff. See, just shine, see, that's something you don't want to hide. You want that just to fly out of you and do that, okay? Now, all those qualities we just mentioned. Shouldn't these are the qualities we have as Christian followers of Jesus Christ? Yes, yeah, so yeah, if you have those same qualities, you're the person people want to talk to at work. 
You're the person they want to come up and ask the question when all of a sudden life is, you know, is going the wrong direction for them, okay? But see, if we're like that, uh, I had a guy on a flight one day. He said, you know, I've got to tell you something. He said, we talked two and a half hours on the topic of God, me and this guy. He's a businessman. He said, I've got to tell you something. He said, I normally don't even talk to the person next to me. He said, and you can be rest assured, I don't talk about this subject, okay, that we've talked about. He said, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. He said, thank you very much for having this conversation. See, how we do it is just as important as doing it, right? Yeah, and we learn that as God molds us through time and do that. Now, go to verse 7. Watch where the whole thing changes. So thou, son of man, I have set thee as a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked... A wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will require at thine your hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked from his way to turn from it, if he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Now watch 10 and 11. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel, thus she speaks, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away, we rot away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Let the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Beginning of 11. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It's not a good day when wicked people take their last breath and die and go to hell for eternity for God. It's not a good day for God when Adolf Hitler and Idi Amin and Pol Pot and Joseph Stalin, Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden, Pol Pot take their last breath and die and go to hell for eternity. It was not what God created them for. But God gives us opportunities to choose. Is that right? I set before you life and death. Do what? Choose life. He sets it before us. Our job is to set it before them and do that. Um, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs sold one of his companies for $400 million. Steve Jobs sold one of his companies for $8 billion. Okay? I haven't mentioned Apple yet. My Bible's clear as the bell. What does it profit a man if he gains what? The whole world. Yet what? Loses his soul. Think about that for a second. As some of us men especially chase the dollar bill and chase the fame and chase the company and chase the big this, and all of a sudden you realize even when you get to the top, it wasn't worth everything. You didn't think it, it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Okay, and all that chasing, what did I do to get there, and yet was it worth it all? Uh, Apple, when Steve Jobs died, um, at that point, uh, iTunes, there had been 16 billion songs downloaded off of iTunes at that time. How many of those songs do you think glorified the God that he stood in front of on that day? It's a good thing to wrestle with, okay? Um, what's the symbol for Apple? Apple with? With a bite out of it. Where's the only place in all of recorded history you find a piece of fruit with a bite out of it? That's the Garden of Eden. That has been a symbol of rebellion against God for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. Yet, that is the symbol that Steve Jobs chose for his company, Apple. Why not a whole apple? Why not an apple tree? Now, why, why not the word apple? Applebee's is actually changing all their awnings all across America. I travel too much. And on their awnings, there's what's up there. Apples with a bite out of it. 
No, just apples up there, okay? Because why not do that that way? Where did he even get the term apple from? Anybody know? He, was, he got into a certain musical group. Anyone know the name of the musical group? He got big into the Beatles. That's exactly right. They were put together by Apple Records. That's where he got that from. Does music have power? Yes or no? Yes. Uh, he got into his, his religious faith. He was into Hinduism. Anyone know how he got into Hinduism? He got into a certain musical group. Anyone know the name of it? I just told you. I'm a teacher. I teach you that you repeat. Thank you. What was the name of the group? The Beatles. The Beatles made a mistake and went to India on a trip. They got into Maharishis and all this stuff, and they got into Hinduism. Does music have power, yes or no? Careful. Be very careful what's on your kid's iPod. Be very careful. I've seen more people hooked by some band or something. All Satan wants is a hook. And then he just starts reeling. He just starts reeling, and all of a sudden, how did I get that far from the cross? Because he had a hook in the right place. Okay, you hook a fish on the side, he wiggles and gets away. You hook a fish in the right place, you can reel in a big old fish with a little small hook. Is that right? Yeah, see, he just wants a hook. So if he has a hook in an area, chop that hook off. You parents, chop that hook off for those kids in your family. Don't let that hook get stuck in your kids there. Moms and dads, make sure you go on the computer in your kids' room and check every website they've been to. And I tell youth this. Oh, you don't trust me. No, no, it's not that I don't trust you. It's I know how the enemy works. You see, and he just wants a hook inside of you. And as, as a parent, as a guardian, I'm going to make sure he doesn't get a hook inside of you because we care about you too much. Because not that I don't trust you. Okay, see, just, you walk right past that with them and do that. But music has power. When Steve Jobs died, one week later, his sister came out and said, he said, uh, he said goodbye to all his family members. They were standing by his deathbed. Then he just looks over their head. He's looking out in the distance. He's just staring. And he said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. Flatlined and died. He saw something before he died. Okay? And I don't think it was good. All right? But my question is, who witnessed to him? Well, guess what? I know of a man that worked for Apple, a vice president under Steve Jobs, a very strong believer in Jesus Christ. He walked into his office one day and shared Jesus Christ right across the Steve Jobs' desk with him. Okay? Mr. Jobs wanted nothing to do with it. Okay, did that man do his job, yes or no? Yes, he did. He pulled the trumpet out. He blew the trumpet. He was a watchman, a biblical watchman. He did his job. See, that's what watchmen do. We blow the trumpet. Your choice, what you do with the warning. Okay? Uh, a couple years ago, I'm on a plane flight going to uh, Newark, New Jersey, and I'm chatting with a guy. He works for the CIA. So I kept, I kept asking him all these questions he couldn't answer. It was a lot of fun. And I was trying to pick his brain on like big conspiracy theories and stuff, and he wouldn't answer my questions. So we're talking back and forth. Well, during the conversation, he told me he was an agnostic. Okay, now if you're taking notes, write these two things down. Okay, two very simple things. We'll hit these again tonight. But two simple things when it comes to witnessing. Okay, first of all, sharing your faith isn't a presentation. Sharing your faith is a conversation. Very easy, simple thing to remember. Sharing your faith isn't a presentation. Sharing your faith is a conversation. All right? Jesus had a conversation with the woman at the well, a conversation with the rich young ruler. He had a conversation. Uh, Paul had a conversation with, with uh, Felix. He had a conversation with Agrippa. Okay? So all we do is go out and have conversations and then present things during the conversation. All right, does that make sense? Yes or no? Okay, can all of us have conversations? We do it all the time. The question, are we going to leave them at temporary conversations or are we going to move them to eternal conversations? See, that's just the difference, okay? So I'm just out having conversations and then I present things during the conversation. Second thing is, if you don't know what something means, just ask them. He said he was agnostic. Well, what do you mean by agnostic? 
If someone tells you they're an atheist, what do you mean by atheist? Well, I'm a Muslim. What do you mean by Muslim? Okay. I believe in secular humanism. What do you mean by that? Okay. I'm a Christian. What do you mean by Christian? So when you ask the question, it gives you some more information where they're coming from. You can figure out where you want to go in the conversation. Okay. Does that make sense? So remember, just ask questions. I don't have to go out and study every religion of the world. Okay. I just talk to Muslims and ask them questions. Do you know Muslims believe that Jesus is coming back? They believe Jesus has come back in the end of days. Well, what's he coming back for? And they'll look at my face and tell me uh, he's coming back to preach Islam all across the world. A small mistake there? Yeah, small mistake. You had the right part there, that Jesus is coming back. The wrong answer, what he's coming back to do, he's coming back to judge the world, okay? Uh, I was witnessing to a uh, uh, Muslim in Houston last year. His name is Jihad. Jihad was his name. I said, you're going to kill me? And that's uh, so what I said. He just laughed and stuff, and Jihad, their holy war and stuff. So who do you think Jesus is? Uh, so we started talking. I said, do you think Jesus uh, walked on planet Earth? Yes. Do you believe he's the son of God? What do they say? No. Uh, do you believe he died on the cross? What do they say? No. Many of them will look at your face and tell you, we believe it was Judas that was on the cross. And his face was transfigured to look like Jesus. Can you give me one piece of historical evidence to back that up? No. Okay. Do you see how deception works sometimes? Okay. And so then I, I threw this out one time, and a man came up and he said, this is how he answered. He had that question before. And he said, this is how he answered it. I learned a good piece of nugget. I'm always trying to pick up nuggets of truth. I can remember. He said, was Jesus' mom out there? Was Mary out there? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, if her son is nailed to the cross, and that's not his body, but, that, but his face there, but that's not his body. Mamas, do you know the bodies of your kids? Yes or no? Oh, yes, you do. Okay. She would have known instantly it wasn't her son. Excuse me, that's not my boy. Where's my boy at? Who's got my boy? Okay, he's not here. Okay, she would have known instantly that, okay? See how the trick of the enemy is? See, the deception can be crazy sometimes. But then, of course, they don't believe in the resurrection either because they don't believe he died on the cross. So just ask questions and do that, okay? So we're talking back. Oh, an agnostic just basically means they're not, haven't seen enough evidence to push to believe in God, enough not to believe in God. They're just kind of in the mushy middle. This is where they're at, okay? So we're talking back and forth, and then Darren tells me, he said, oh, by the way, I was on Flight 93 on September 11th, 2001. And all of a sudden, my wheels just start spinning in my head. And that's the plane that went down where? <coughs> Pennsylvania, where everybody what? Died, but they're all still what? Remember now, they're all still alive. They're dead here, but they're all alive on the other side. Make sense? Yeah, so never forget that. When you go to a funeral, I speak at funerals, you can see the body. That person's still alive. They're just alive on the other side. That's a trick of our world right now. Death means over with to the world. That is not what death means biblically, okay? And they're also, but, but obviously he wasn't physically on the flight because he's sitting next to me. Remember, that was a Tuesday morning. I said, what do you mean? He said the Friday before his boss called him, I said, hey, Darren, I need you to get to, I need you to, get to California a day earlier. He said, I need you to switch your uh, flight <coughs> to Monday, September 10th. So he switches his flight uh, to flight 93, September 10th. Okay? He said, Mark, on my wall is a picture frame with a ticket in there, flight 93, September 11th, 2001. He was this close to getting on that plane on that day. So I looked at him and said, remember, he's an agnostic. I said, Darren, was that luck? Was that chance? Or was that God that kept you off the plane flight? He looked at me and said, yes, yes, yes. Okay. He knew something kept him off the plane flight. He knew it. Okay. I've met more people from the New York area that something happened that kept him off the flight. 
I said, Darren, the reason <clears throat> God kept you on the flight was to hear the rest of the story. Here's the rest of the story. Okay, we talked about sin, repentance, cross, resurrection. So we just lay it out for him. Okay, he's a big thinker. Do you like to read? He said, oh, I love to read. Gave him a book to read because he needs to search. Okay, he needs to take that mind and search out what's going to happen when he dies. So my job is just to pull the trumpet out and what? Blow the trumpet and just warn him trouble's coming. Your choice what you do with it, Darren. Okay, does that make sense? So that's what our job is as we walk through life. Matter of fact, last time I was up at your church speaking, Derek, um, I stopped in a, a restaurant in... Maumee or Monclova, one of those places, and uh, it was a two-hour wait to have a seat. I'd been in this restaurant before, and I remember talking to the owner uh, when I was there, so uh, I like to support local businesses. Went that two-hour wait. Anyone impatient like your speaker? Yeah, extremely, extremely impatient. And so uh, they said, you can sit at the bar. I typically don't like sitting at the bar, uh, but there were some tables. They said, can I sit at that table? Sure. It was like a table of six. I'm sitting there, I just eat my food, been there about an hour, talking to waiters and waitresses, uh, having a good time. All of a sudden, these two couples start circling my table, like circling, like, like sharks coming for food or something. Like, I said, do y'all need a place to sit? They said, yeah, well, sit down. I don't bite. Have a seat. So they sat down. We start talking, okay? Uh, all four Roman Catholic. We start talking about life, death, what happened. All of a sudden, one of the wives looks at her husband, just stares, just stares at him. When we start talking about life and death. And I said, I did, it kind of had that awkward silence for a second. I just, you just let it slide. All she said, um, our daughter uh, was on the first plane that hit the first World Trade Center on 9-11. I'm serious? She, yeah, she was on the flight out of Boston that morning. I said, you're kidding me. I said, how did you find out? She said, oh, no, no, I'm a mama. She said, I knew she was on the flight. So she knew the entire day, deep within her system, that her daughter had made that flight. She knew she was flying that day, but she just knew she was on that flight. And I knew we'd get the phone call that uh, she had died that day and do that. I'm like, seriously? And she said, yeah. I said, um, so how has that impacted you? And we started talking about that. And uh, the dad sat there and tears just welled up in his eyes. And this has been, what, 12 years? 12 years since 2001? Uh, he has three boys and a girl, and that was his only what? I was the only girl. And boy, you could just see it in dad's eyes. Uh, her brother, they were so tight. Her brother moved to Boston <coughs> just to work across the street from his sister so they go to lunch every day. Isn't that a cool story right there? See, that, see how you, we don't want the boys and girls fighting. We want to be in that tight. The brother wants to be around sister even though he moved. He literally had to move to Chicago because he can't be there anymore because it's too emotional for him. I said, do you go back to the to the survivors meetings or the, you know, the different, where they, every year when they come back? He said, absolutely not. Well, it just caught me off guard how he said I said, why? He said, all those people, they still live their whole life is on that day. They haven't moved on from September 11, 2001. He said, we have to get on with our lives. Isn't that an interesting point? I had never thought about that. But we began to talk because, see, the only thing that's going to heal their hearts is who? Jesus. Okay, we have this fascinating talk right at the restaurant over there in Monclova and stuff and do this. So looking for your opportunities. But just blowing the trumpet, warning people, trouble's coming. Uh, I was riding my bike, uh, was it this year? I think it was this year. Yeah, it was this year. And um, I just had to get out of my house, get a sweat going, just go. So I ride down this one trail, and I go by this huge cemetery, this gigantic cemetery. And I see three people, um, uh, four people standing by the cemetery, by a, by a plot. And the flowers, uh, they were very, very new flowers. Like, so it just what? It just happened, okay? So I drive past them, these trees, and I can see them from an angle. And I said, Mark, stop your bike and go talk to those people. And I said, Mark, you can't stop your bike in the middle of a cemetery and go walk up to people with biking gear on and everything. You can't do that. Do you ever have conversations with yourself and wonder what's going on? Yeah. I was like, Mark. I rode up, I rode up the street a little bit. I said, Mark, you only live what? 
once. Get over there. So I rode my bike, parked my bike, and I start walking towards these three people, uh, four. And the guy walks with three ladies and a guy. And as I walk towards them, the guy, so you always have that moment where the eyes catch real quick. Now, just a smile, a gracious, a nod of a head. That breaks the ice right there when you have that first time you walk up to a stranger and do that. Okay, I just smile. I said, hey, how y'all doing? They said, good. I said, who passed? They said, uh, our mama passed. I said, really? I said, how you doing? Isn't that a good question? Ask somebody, how you doing? Okay, just, just getting involved in someone's life a little bit, okay? How you doing? Well, we miss her so much. Boom, boom, boom. We just start talking. So I said, was she born again? Was she saved? All of a sudden, this one lady's face just lit up. Just, oh, mama loved the Lord. Mama loved the Lord. Oh, my goodness. And we just start talking. I said, well, if you could talk to your mom right now, uh, she would tell you the same thing Paul said to Timothy. I fought the good fight. I finished the race, the course. I kept the faith. All of a sudden, wait a minute. That was Mama's favorite verse. It was in the, what's the thing you hand out at a funeral or something? The bulletin or whatever it is. They said it was in the bulletin at her funeral yesterday. I was like, you're kidding me. She liked 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. She liked all those verses. I'm like, you're kidding me and stuff. So I said, hey, uh, here's my, uh, I always keep a, uh, a baggie with me with gospel tracks and money. And I bless people when I'm riding my bike and stuff. So it lets me stop because no one invites me into their camper. So I, I just have to stop. And uh, so I handed him some gospel tracks, my business card. Hey, I write Christian books. Get a hold of me and I'll get you some books. Getting ready to walk away. The guy walks over. Excuse me, who are you? I'm Mark um, uh, Cahill. I write Christian books. Just met your sisters here. We're talking about your mom. He said, Mama sent you. I'm like, what? Mama sent you, didn't she? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's not saved. He said his mom told him before he died, I'm going to send you a sign from the other side, son, okay, that I'm A-OK, and you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Mama sent you, didn't she? Okay. I looked at this man. I said, sir, I said, I don't think so. I think mama's having a good old time with Jesus right now, okay? I think she's probably busy right now, okay? But God just did orchestrate this, okay, to make sure you and I are about to have this conversation, okay? Do you like to read? He said, no, I don't, actually, okay? I said, okay, well, here's some of my stuff. Get a hold of me. Let me help you make that decision. I've heard from two of the ladies um, wanting the books. That man emailed me about a month later. Sir, can I get that One Heartbeat Away book? My sisters are talking about that. Can I get that, please, to read? So you see how you make the most out of every opportunity, just even on a bicycle somewhere, and do that. But looking for these, just blowing the trumpet, warning people, trouble's coming, okay? Um, last encounter for you. I was on a plane flight a little over a year ago. And a guy sitting next to me, uh, uh, Joe, we're talking back, and I don't have an in yet. One thing we'll teach you tonight, what is it, four to six? Yeah, four to six tonight. So make sure you come, even if you haven't signed up. Invite friends from other churches to come. It's a real good, fun training seminar. We do this around the country. Um, we'll do a question and answer time, so help you with any questions you're worried about getting from people and stuff like that. So we'll just really knock it through, and you'll really be very equipped at 6.01, ready to roll, okay, and chat with people and do that. So we'll teach a bunch of starter questions, okay? So I've got, I'm talking with Joe, and I don't have an in yet. I don't have an in. So you just create an in is all you do. I said, Joe, can I ask you an interesting question? I use that with Chris on the plane flight. It's an interesting question. Easy hook. What's everybody say? Sure, what do you got? I said, Joe, when you were younger as a kid, did you grow up in religious faith or belief or tradition as a child? That's a great question. It works on any age group. Okay? When you're younger as a kid, grow up in any religious faith or belief or tradition as a child? It's a very non-threatening question. He said, yeah. I said, Methodist. A little, a little edginess to his voice. I said, okay. I said, now that you're older, works on any age group. I use it with teenagers. Okay? Now that you're older, I met a guy at the Detroit airport, Chinese kid, uh, grew up here in Detroit, uh, grew up Christian, now he's at University of Michigan, and now he's a what? 
atheist. Just think about that for a second. Okay? Completely walked away from. I said, why? What happened? What would you read? Who would you hear from? He said, well, I read some books, uh, some professors. But he said, actually, sir, I started walking, it, uh, walking away from it in high school. Are you peppering your kids with questions? Okay? Because some of your kids are walking away from Jesus in middle school, high school, but their bodies still sit here. They still sit here right now. Okay? Are you peppering with a question? Ask them. Are you asking your kids to go to public school or even private school? Tell me something you heard that was unbiblical today in uh, school. So you're teaching them to keep their guard what? Up. You see, that's what you're teaching them by doing that. Okay? Careful. Their bodies can still sit here, and they are long gone on the inside. I had this talk with this very nice young kid yesterday uh, in, the, uh, in the airport looking for that. Okay? Now that you're older, is it more important or less important? He looks and he says, less important, with a definite edge to his voice. So I just said, Joe, did anything happen along the way to kind of push away from God? He said, yes, it did with a most definite edge to his voice. Now, whenever I get that, this is all I say. I said, Joe, if you feel comfortable, can you tell me what happened? All right. Now, the reason I say it that way is because um, uh, even if Joe doesn't feel comfortable, tell me, can I still blow the trumpet anyways? Sure, I can still have the conversation. But sometimes you're the release valve for that person to talk about something. Okay. You have to understand something. Strangers love talking to other strangers. Because many times I can tell you what? Anything. And I'm never going to what? See you again. Okay, so sometimes you're the release valve for them. One, one of the reasons we want to talk to strangers and many other reasons as well. But that's one of the reasons why. So Joe, if you feel comfortable, can you tell me what happened? All of a sudden he puts his head down, starts nodding. You ever had that, that complete total silence? You ever had that awkward silence in a conversation? Now, whenever that happens, don't talk. Okay, something's happening in the sea here that I don't know what's going on. Okay, just let it roll. But remember, it's never as long as you think it is. So if you had a video camera of your conversation, it was, it was not that long, but it seems like it's eternity plus, right? You know, it's like, when is this, you know, you're just like, what's going on? We just, all of a sudden, he pulls his head up. He looks at me and said, okay. He said, a stalker came after my daughter. We had to get the police involved. He said, the stalker came after my wife. We had to get the police involved. He said, the stalker broke the restraining order uh, he was arrested and thrown into juvenile detention center. Okay, he was a 17-year-old young man. Can 17-year-olds do wicked things? Yes or no? Evil, wicked things. But let me tell you something. something I'll say to the teenagers tomorrow. Is I see 17-year-olds all across America turning their high schools upside down for Jesus Christ. See, I see just the opposite as well. And when you meet those bold, radical warriors for Jesus Christ in their teen years, almost to the T, there's a mom and dad right behind them sold out for Jesus Christ. Not every time, but almost every single time you can find those parents that are soul winners, bold, they stand for God too. And it just flowed right down into their kids. And then their kids step up and go with that same thing, okay? He said, all of a sudden, I'm in my house one morning at 5 a.m. And my daughter let out a blood-curdling scream at 5 a.m. He came running out of the bedroom. The stalker is standing in the middle of his house with a rifle in the middle of his house. Okay? He shot out the sliding glass door, and he came into the house. So, so the gunman is 10 to 15 feet away from him, 5 a.m. in the morning. Okay? So think about that. 5 a.m., your daughter's screaming. You come and run out of the bedroom, and there's a gunman 10 to 15 feet away from you in your house. I'm sure your head's very fuzzy. I'm sure you wake up pretty quick. It's the same thing with that situation. What would you do? Gunman in your house, 10 to 15 feet away. Uh, young men or men only? Raise a hand up. Gunman in your house, 10 or 15 feet away. Young men or men only? Pop a hand up. What would you do? 
gunman in your house, what would you do? What are you hanging? Hands up. What would you do, man? Okay, hands down. Okay, a few. I have four hands up. Okay. Much better than a church I was at just a couple weeks ago. Zero hands went up. I looked at the ladies in the church. Ladies who are single, raise your hands up. All these hands up. I said, please do me a favor. I said, don't marry any guy in this church, okay, <laughs> ever, okay, until they mature and grow up a little bit, okay. I said, please don't do that, okay, because fellas, isn't it our job to be protectors of our wives and kids? How is it when I speak at military bases across the country and a lot of military men, how come I don't meet ladies who will migrate towards military men and go out with the biggest pagan on planet earth as long as they know one thing. Will that man what? Will he protect me? Because mm-hmm. that ladies want that security of a man they can trust and do. Think about that for a second. Okay, hands up. Come in your house. What would you do? Hands up. What would you do? What would you do? What's that? You take him out. Uh, with, with a gun? With physical? What? Okay, so at this point, you'll turn into the aggressor. Whatever goes down and goes down because nothing's going to happen to your daughter that's screaming right there. Okay, good point. Okay, hands up. What would you do? Gunman in your house. What would you do? Okay, you charge him. Them run. They run that way, and you run this way right So you'll take it. Isn't that the exciting thing when you hear about military men who dive on the grenade and take it for everybody else in the platoon and stuff like that. You know, just those, those ones that servant heart there and do that. I just love to do that. What else would you do? Anything else? What are, what's another option you could do? What? So if that's you, uh, you're the gunman, I'm you and your daughter's here. You're saying you would just basically do this and then start. Hey, let me ask you a question here real quick before you shoot me, okay, and do this, all right? Um, can you reason with people? Sometimes you can. That's exactly right, okay? But sometimes you... But either way, if you're standing here, your daughter ain't getting hit. Okay, that's not going to happen. Okay, would prayer work at this time? Yes. yes. Pray without ceasing. Uh, we had a situation in Atlanta. Uh, two robbers broke into a hotel room. Husband, wife, in there. As soon as they broke in, they dropped right to their knees, began to pray. Father, please protect these two men, so they don't die. Excuse me. They have the guns, and you're on your knees. What are you talking about? It's to protect these men. Father, they're not ready to meet you. Do not let these two men die. Were they correct? They were correct. Uh, the gunman said, oh, these are those crazy Christians that you turn out the door and gone. Gone. The whole thing ended just like that. Is there power to prayer? Sure. There's power to prayer and do that. Okay. Joe's not a believer. I said, Joe, I said, what'd you do? He said, I rushed this man. Same thing you said. He said, I charged this man. Okay. Two bullets to the stomach. I said, what'd you do, Joe? He said, I kept going. And he tackled that kid. And he said they were wrestling on the floor of the house. He said it was extremely bloody. Uh, the kid slipped out of his hands, ran out of the house. The, the, the police finally showed up. They caught him at the end of the street. He said he was laying on the floor of his house. He said, wait a minute. He said, where's my wife at? He gets up. He goes to the front door, opened the front door. His wife was laying face down in the snow, shot and killed. Um, the gunman was waiting behind the bushes in the front, shot and killed the wife, came to the back of the house, and that's how the rest of the story played itself out. He said, Mark, he said, I have a question for you. Okay, always remember, conversations go what? 
to go both ways. Now, this is okay. Even if I can't, and we'll teach you tonight if you can't answer a question, what you do, okay? But this is a good point because whatever he's going to ask me, he's trusting me at this point in the conversation with whatever he's going to say. Now, I don't know what he's going to say, but that's half the excitement of a, of a good conversation with somebody, okay? I said, what, Joe? He said, Mark, how can there be a God with my wife who is dead and this man who's alive in a prison in Ohio? How can there be a God? Legitimate question, yes or no? That's legit where I come from, okay? And we began to talk back and forth, back and forth. Uh, he had all these great questions, and we have all these great what? Answers. You see, that's why I want to talk with people. Okay? I can't answer every question, but I can answer the big ones for you and help you start angling you down that road towards that cross and do that, okay? I finally said, I said, Joe, do you like to read? He said, uh, no, I don't. So I gave him one of my books. And uh, anyways, I... I don't give up easy, and uh, signed it for him, I gave it to him. When we landed in Wichita, Kansas, we were, uh, he was 55 pages into the book. He said, Mark, these book, this has really helped me answer my questions. Oops, there we go again. They've got what? And we have what? Answers. So I want to engage a waiter or waitress this afternoon. I wanted to engage Michael when I checked into the hotel last night, okay? I want to hand a book to the guy from England who tried to get a room at the hotel 11.30 at night who walked up to the counter and he had this great accent. We start talking, okay? I wanted to put something in their hand and do that, okay? Just to bless them and let God begin to take that and walk them towards that cross right there and do that, okay? When we got off the plane, he shook my hand twice. He said, Mark, thank you so much for this conversation. Ooh, now think about that for a second. You know, we're worried about what's going to go wrong in a conversation. There's people thanking you out there. Roman was very thankful, wasn't he? Very gracious that someone stepped into his life and blessed him. He didn't have to be in a tent tonight, but someone gave him a camper to sleep in and trust them enough to do that, even around your kids as well, and do that. You see, you set a standard for somebody like that. Um, but that's what you do. And then he told me, he said, Mark, he said, uh, my biggest fear is uh, that that man only got a 30-year sentence. And this happened 20 years ago. He's in prison here in Ohio somewhere. He said, in my concern in 10 years is what? Come after my daughter. This man had no peace, zero peace. You, it was just so, and when he told the whole story, it was just like it happened when? Yesterday, it was all in his face, but it was 20 years ago. So what did we share with him? The Prince of Peace, you see? So that's why we want to get into, there's a lot of people who heard out there and we have the only thing that can help their hurt, okay, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, okay. I wrote a book called uh, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. What's the one thing you can't do in heaven? Can't see the love of Jesus Christ. That's exactly right, because they're not going to be there. If they're going to reach them, got to reach them where? Here, when? Now, okay, that's what the book is, all the basics on sharing your faith. How to break through the fear of rejection. Good questions to get started. We'll go through a lot of that tonight. Um, all my books are full of stories, and this book I got to witness to... Uh, a Satanist, an atheist. I got to witness to um, Charles Barkley's in here, Alex Rodriguez in here, Michael Jordan's here. Why? I met him. And if I meet you, I throw a question out there. Okay? When I throw a question, it's, it's much better than asking for an autograph or a picture, right? What's that going to do anything? When I throw a question out there and watch people stop and get into conversation, I've met more people who have read this book, put it down, boldly share their faith in Jesus Christ. One of my favorite stories off this, you heard of um, Albert Pujols, the baseball player? He's a first baseman. He was with St. Louis Cardinals. Now he's with L.A. Angels. We're actually friends over this book. He read this book. His people called up and said, I'd like to meet you. So I was going through St. Louis. We met. We just become friends and stuff. And so I was out at a game in St. Louis. We, we come home afterwards. He's a first baseman. St. Louis Cardinals at the time and a strong Christian. Watch what I did. I said, Albert, I said, sitting at the hotel after the game. I said, aren't you the first baseman? He said, you just watched me play. You know I'm the first baseman. Christian guy. I said, you ever thought about sharing your faith people come to first base, Albert? 
I said, they're standing right there, Albert. I said, they can't go anywhere, Albert. I said, I said, all they can do is steal. You can say, thou shalt not steal, Albert. Have you thought about this, okay? Well, the next day he takes me to the airport and uh, he tells me in the car, he said, I'm going to take you up on that. I said, on what? He said, I'll share my faith on first base. I said, seriously? I was like, dude. He said, yeah. I said, dude, be careful. You might get in trouble or something. I don't know, okay? So we park at the airport. And I said, Albert, I'm about to walk into St. Louis Airport. I said, the hardest person for me to chat with in this airport is the same person every single day. Who's the hardest one to witness to every day? Someone you know sometimes? What if you met no one you knew today? What would, everyone was just a stranger. Who would be the first, hardest one to witness to? The first one. That's exactly right. Because if I can get the first, number two is easier. Number three, by number four, I'm chasing you down the mall. Sir, get over here, please. I'd like to chat with you. I mean, you get, you get excited because you know you're doing what Peter did and Paul did and Martha did it and Mary did. You're doing the Lord's work. You get real excited about it. So I said, Albert, I'm walking right over to that smoking section right there, Albert. Okay? Because I know when I walk in that section right there, I've got at least that long to talk to somebody. <laughs> Correct? Correct. They're not going to throw the cigarette away. They can't walk in the building, right? Because it's a smoke-free zone, right? They will go through that cigarette. So I just walk over there, and I did too, actually. And he sat in the car and watched me, and I walked over there, and I just got started. I had a f and I called him later, and I told him all these stories from just that one day heading back to Atlanta, these cool stories. He calls me three days later. He said, Mark, I did it. I said, what? He said, I witnessed people on first place. I'm like, really? I said, how did it go? He said, Mark, man, I was nervous at first, man, but then I got going. But then I watched the guys, when they would get out, they would go back to their dugout. I'd look in their dugout. I could see them chit-chat with each other after the same guys I talked with. And he said, I knew they were talking about me. I knew it. I knew it, he said. Well, the next day, he goes into the other team's locker room because he's a pretty famous player. He hands, the, he hands the believers one thing you can't do in heaven, the lost people one heartbeat away, and books are literally going through Major League Baseball because a man stands on first base and shares his faith in Jesus Christ. So think about that, making the most out of every opportunity, you see, because you don't know what happens with that cross that you gave. You know what happens with that, okay? Or the Christian music that you gave him to listen to. Just making the most out of opportunity and do that, okay? And then the Watchmen, that's a, so those two books, one thing and the Watchmen, are great for Christians if you want to be bold. So Watchmen came off of this talk here. We just fleshed it out into a book, all these stories. The Joe story, the guy whose wife was shot and killed in there. Uh, in that book there, I got to witness to uh, Herschel Walker. Remember Herschel Walker, the great player? Uh, Kanye West, he's in here. I ran to Kanye in Atlanta. Threw a question out there, bingo. We had 10 to 10 to 15 minute talk on the topic of God. Why? Because that's to them much more exciting than the next person who wants a picture, the next person who wants an art. They get so sick of that stuff, okay? Because so, that's more important, right? Is who, if they know Jesus Christ or not and do that, right? Now, who has lost people you're trying to reach for Jesus? Have lost people you're trying to reach? Okay, let's try again. Who has lost people you're trying to reach for Jesus? Okay, it should be all of us, correct? We should all have somebody we're investing in our lives into that we're trying to plant a seed for Jesus Christ. Okay, so we spend time with Christians and discipleship, but then we reach out beyond that into people's lives, okay, and planting seeds. So I have two books, One Heartbeat Away um, and then Paradise, both great books for lost people. Okay, and they're on the table for you back there. Great for lost people, okay? Um, uh, both are huge apologetics. Uh, how do you prove there's a God? How do you prove the Bible true? Um, how do you prove the afterlife? So Christians like these books because it teaches you the, a the answers to the questions you're going to get from people. Okay? And that, the reason it came up, because this is how my search mode. I get saved till I was 25. So I had all these questions, but I needed answers. And so we put the and we just lay it out in a real simple way to do that. Right? Uh, the book, One Heartbeat Away, in that book, I got to witness to... Um, uh, 
Magic Johnson's in here, Terrell Owens, uh, Tiger Woods is in here. I witnessed a Tiger one time. I'll tell you some of that story tonight and stuff. Why? I ran into him somewhere. So I threw a question out there just to see what would happen, and bingo, it hit. And this conversation flowed back and forth and do that, okay? So you're just looking for opportunities and do that. But this book, uh, seriously, flood your, your workplace as a businessman. There's an eye doctor here in Ohio. He wrote me one time. He said, Mark, I'm an eye doctor. He said, I don't want my patients just to physically see. I want them to what? spiritually see. So he puts in his offices, he puts three books, the Bible, my first book and second book at the time. He wrote me a letter one time. Uh, these doctors, uh, physical therapists tell me 50% of the time they walk into a room, someone's reading one of the three books. So they, they do, they do, they witness to them, do their doctors, and then just give them the book, okay? Uh, this guy told me, he said, Mark, I've gone through, I've already gone through 1,500 of your books. He said, I need 1,000 more. He said, you would not believe what's going on in this doctor's office. See, he was having church every Monday, every Tuesday, just about being out in the world with his job. And so think about the opportunities you make those opportunities as you go there. And then Paradise, all it is is a fictional version of One Heartbeat Away. So it's all apologetics, but we just weave it into these four guys from Notre Dame and then go through their life and then something happens and did the guy get saved or not? Okay, I just did a, it's all based in Hawaii. I just did a, I just did a radio show in Hawaii and the host's son came on. Ikaika was his name. He said, uh, my name is Ikaika. He said, I'm the 35-year-old son of the host. It's a secular show in Hawaii, okay? He said, someone gave me your book Paradise yesterday. He said, I read it in six hours. I mean, you can zing through this book. It's just, it's just got a good flow to it. He said, I went to the University of Hawaii, biology major, 100% evolutionist. He said, I just read your Paradise book. I am now a 100% creationist, okay? I'm like, what? He's saying this on the radio show live all across Hawaii, okay? He said, I now walk outside, and he said, I look at the sunset, I look at the green mountains in Hawaii, I look at people, and I keep wondering who created all of this. Do you see what's going on in his head right now, okay? Now, he's not saved yet, but we're walking him towards that cross, aren't we? Off air, he emailed me off air. He said, how do I get all the rest of your books? I said, what's your address? And we just sent him a care package and stuff. He just emailed me that he got him in there because he's a, he's, got, he's a thinker, big thinker. But all of a sudden, just started breaking down truths and just laid truth in front of him. And he even said to me, he said, I can't believe I bought that lie of evolution for all those years. Because that's all he got taught. Biology major, college, come on. You know what he got taught, okay? But truth entered his world, okay? And now he's got to deal with that, okay? So as you walk out, there's a table with uh, books, and uh, some of the books are MP3s if you like to listen. Then grab a free one of the little mini books, the booklets on there. We'll explain how to use those tonight, okay? So uh, everything on the table for you, um, we don't charge for things. Everything's uh, donation only, so you just take what you want, pay what you want. That's how we do the ministry. We've done it for 14 years now. We'll keep doing that all the days of our lives. Website, same way. People just order what they want, pay what they want. So uh, if money's tight or some family's tight on money, yes or no? Yes, yeah, if the economy's funky, if money's tight in your family, please take something free off the table and do that. Just make sure you read it or watch it. There's some DVDs as well. Um, if you're a visitor, please take something free off the table and do that. If you're not saved, please take a free copy of Paradise or One Heartbeat Away and read it. And then decide what you want to do with that cross right there, right? So that cross is everything. That's all this world's about is what happened on that cross 2,000 years ago. So you take whatever you want off the table, um, give in the box. If you want to bring it back tonight and give, that's fine. Uh, do that. I don't worry about this stuff. But I go one step further. If anybody has a financial need, not a want, a need, you can reach in the box and take out of the box. Uh, we go that far as well. So if you have a financial need, not a want, you can reach in and take out. We started doing that. I don't know, six or seven years ago, and we hear these really cool stories uh, from that box. We were in uh, Texas a couple, weeks, a couple months ago, and some guy at church, I found out later, he's about to lose his job because he does not have $60 
to get steel-toed boots to keep his job. Okay, does he have 60 bucks now, yes or no? Oh yeah, he's got it, okay, definitely. Um, we had a guy who was in Illinois, Indiana. He came up to me, he said, uh, he said, sir, can I get uh, $20 out of your box for gas? I said, sure. I said, what do you need it for? He said, well, I was driving past your church this morning, and my car ran out of gas, and so I just coasted it into the church parking lot. And he said, well, I'm already here at church. Might as well just go. And uh, he didn't go to that church. He just went to the service. And, um, and, he, and well, that morning, he, had, he got God and gas that morning. It was a great morning for him, actually, and, uh, and do that. Um, I've actually had lost people walk up to me. At church service, and tell me the best thing they heard during the sermon was that box back there. They could take something out of it. Now, I thought the preaching was pretty good personally, but uh, they, they didn't think that was the best part. Do you know why? Do you know their view of Christianity? Their view of Christianity is TBN, 1 800 numbers rolling across the bottom. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Okay? Christianity is give you, give you give you my son, give you my camper for a couple nights. Okay. That's Christianity, yes? Yes. In, in, in the book The Watchman, there's a whole chapter on giving. Okay, because I'm really big on, because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than what? Receive. I'm very big on this. Okay. Now remember something. Giving has nothing to do with money. It has zero to do with money. Giving's a hard issue. Can't you give your time? Sure. Can't you give your talent? Sure, there's always to give. I want a giving heart because I serve a giving God and do that. Okay, so if you have a need, reach there, take out what you need out of the box. And then when you get better financially, then you go do what? Bless someone else and do that, okay? Every second, two people die. A lot of people just died in an hour and ten minutes, okay? People walking off planet Earth. And the people that will die this year, Okay? Uh, will not care the score of an Ohio State-Michigan game. If Bo Schembechler or Woody Hayes was not born again and saved, they absolutely wasted their life. Wasted their life. I live in Atlanta, but I went to Auburn, and uh, I, when I speak at churches in Alabama, I tell people, okay, if Nick Saban and Gus Melzahn, if they don't repent of their sins and get born again and saved, they've absolutely wasted their life. Be careful, okay? You have the right answer for life. Right? Jesus Christ. You have it. You have no right to keep him to yourself. Matter of fact, you're compelled by the Most High God to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Watch how simple this is. Anyone glad someone told you about Jesus Christ? Anybody glad? Yeah. Okay, I'm so glad four young students at Auburn University told me about Jesus back in the day. Some guy gave me a Bible. I had never owned a Bible before. And that all led to where me standing in front of you today, 30 years ago. Okay? Um question is, are you going to return the favor? That someone can say, I am so glad that Christian family started the process by giving me their camper for two nights. Okay? Because I got to see what a Christian family really is like from their kids and from the parents. Maybe I didn't understand it all, but when I get back to France and the French Christian shares with me, they'll be able to explain it all to me. Okay? Think about it for a second. Think about Michael, the guy behind the counter last night. When he gets born again and saved one day, he's going to be thankful someone walked into his hotel at 11.45 at night, correct? Oh, he's going to be very thankful and do that, okay? Let's return the favor to somebody. But remember, time is precious. It's ticking by quick. You folks are some age on your belt. Did life go by quick, yes or no? It scoots so fast. It scoots so fast, okay? Use your time wisely and don't waste your life. Don't 
waste your life on things of the world, okay? We'll see you back at uh, 4 o'clock today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Uh, You're such a good God, a gracious God. I thank you for the moment we got saved. Father, you didn't take us straight to heaven. Because I was thinking about this one day. You actually could have done that. We have everything we need to get to heaven. Our sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. But you were so gracious, you left us here. But, Father, as I was reading the scriptures one day, laying on the couch at my parents' house, I read into this verse, and it was about Jesus Christ. He said that he, Jesus, came to seek and to save those who are lost. And, Father, what that means is you left us here with a mission. And the mission of this church, True North, Father God, the mission is to evangelize and to make disciples, Father God. Thank you for leaving us here. But we have a work to do here in Ohio. Ohio needs truth. It needs light, and that light comes from your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and nobody else. Father, raise up a good, strong army of people out of here. It's going to make a good, eternal difference for the people in the coming days, and we thank you for it. Father, it's pretty obvious we don't have a lot of time left. This world's a little bit crazy right now. But that's okay. The darker it gets, it's easier for our light to shine. As people look for hope in a world that can offer none of that to them except for your Son, Jesus. And we thank you for that. We ask it in his great, great name. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.